It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. What's up, Las Vegas? Happy Monday. PTL time. Glad to be back in studio. Had to take a day off on Friday. Sick day. We get sick now and then. Get to that. But I'm looking forward to today's show, man. Sometimes I don't look forward to doing shows. I don't know. But today, I'm actually, I actually was looking forward to doing the show today. I'm ready for it, man. Got a lot to get to today. Had a fun time at the Aces game last night. Had a chance to speak with... Governor Steve Sisolak for a good solid five minutes or so. Met his wife as well. Talk all that about that. Uh, big upset in the boxing world. I would say arguably the biggest upset in boxing in a very long time. Canelo Alvarez going down. We'll talk about that. And in hour number two, Cassandra Cusino will be joining us. The sports nista from LVSportsBiz.com. She was at the fight, kind of breaking down what happened. How did Canelo go down? Not literally. There was no knockout, but... Went down in a metaphorical sense. We'll talk about that in hour number two. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, guy who served this country honorably, and he made national news for confronting the evil racist witch trash, which is also known as Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's a video that went viral. I think there's like a million views of this. This guy, Alex Boyle, showed some guts and, and confronted her on her... Ridiculous things she says over the course of the last year or two years. It's really uh, it's really awesome. And this guy's going to be joining us, Alex Boyle, coming up at the bottom of the hour. We got C-Win in the house. C-Win. Uh, we went to both games yesterday. We went to the football game up there in Henderson. Uh, embarrassment. Bad performance. That's about all I'm going to say in coverage of that game. And we also went to the uh, Aces game last night. Yesterday was a fun day. Shout out to all the mothers yesterday, of course. It was Mother's Day. And yes, it was an active Sunday, to say the least, with a chance to watch some IFL football here in Vegas, which wasn't a great result for the local fans here. But it was uh, made up for in the nightcap as the Las Vegas Aces handled their business against one of the better teams in the WNBA. looked like Coach Arroyo was in Henderson yesterday. I don't know if he was coaching the team or not, but that's what it looked like. Uh, Anyway, I digress. Come on, man. You're talking about my guy, Mike Davis. Come on, chap. (laughs) Well, uh, anyway, I'll leave that one alone. But, uh, you know, I was really sick uh, last week. I wasn't feeling great. I still did the show when I probably shouldn't have Wednesday, Thursday. I took multiple COVID tests, all negative, which is good. Uh, still have the herpes. Just kidding. But uh, multiple negative tests when it comes to COVID. Uh, but Friday, I said, man, I'm coughing every four seconds. I just couldn't do it. Well, like, Brian, you do realize that you don't have to get COVID when you get sick, right? You do understand that. No, you can have, I didn't like, know that. Cold, you no, can have I didn't the flu. You can have, I didn't know that. Uh, bronchitis. No, I didn't number, know that. There's just a bunch of other stuff you could have. So. No, Chris, I didn't know that. I thought the right. only sickness. I was just pointing it out because you're just, you know. I know, you're, I know. You're harping on the I COVID-19 really didn't know that. stuff. I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. Uh, <laughs> the only sickness I thought you can get in this world is COVID. I didn't know there was any such thing as a common cold. I was just making sure. No, I was clarifying that. I was clearing that up for you. 
really so. glad you cleared that. Too bad you couldn't clear yes. up my cold last week, by the exactly. way. Then, then that would have been magical. But yeah, yeah, I wasn't feeling good on Friday, so I took the day off on Friday. Mm-hmm. We played a best of. I'm still not 100%, but uh, I feel a lot better. Uh, I'm not coughing every three seconds. Um, so I said, okay, yeah. I'll come in. But uh, I, I had a very active weekend, so to speak. I know you did too. Uh, I had a chance to see one of my favorite musicians since I was a child. Uh, of course, I'm talking about... The great Jerry Cantrell and uh, Allison Chains uh, fame. Uh, of course, if you don't know who I'm talking about and you've never heard of Allison Chains before, Numchuck going to play you a little bit of sample of, of. Yeah, there you go. Is that it? Just don't play Justin Bieber because that'll ruin it. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little 90s alternative rock shack action, Chris. Chris, can you name this song? Wood. Very good. Yes. Chris is right. It's on one of my favorite Allison Chains songs. That's a good one. Yeah. So, one, he, one, by the way, one, one of a group of uh, just quality bands from the nineties. Agree. Agree. So Jerry Kentrell, of course, the, the late great Lane Staley was the lead singer of that band. Jerry Kentrell was behind writing most of the music and just an amazing musician. So it was pretty cool seeing him at the House of Blues at Mandalay Bay. Uh, playing all of his old Allison Chain stuff and playing some of his new solo stuff, which is really good. Uh, so I had a great time, man. Even though I wasn't feeling great uh, at, at the concert, which is so amazing, it's like I almost forgot I was I was kind of sick. Uh, it was it was pretty cool. So shout out to Jerry Cantrell, man. I'm sure he's listening. Great, great, great show, my man. Uh, and I uh, had a great time. It was it was so much fun just going to a concert again. You know, we had like a year, year and a half there where you couldn't really go see a show. And the last what? Eight nine months, maybe last year. Concerts are, are back, and and it's it's fun to just be out there again and having fun. Um, now, while I was at that concert, the Canelo Alvarez fight was going on, and my phone was blowing up with people telling me, "Where are you? Are you at the fight?" Because that's a fight I usually would have gone to, but instead I wanted to see Jerry Cantrell. I've seen plenty of Canelo fights, and Canelo. Uh, got his ass handed to him, and I think what we're going to talk about, Chris, later on the show, that besides the fact uh, of how Canelo lost this fight, the judges' scorecards were a joke. This was not a close fight. Canelo was dominated for the most part start to finish. Canelo did not win the first four rounds, according to the judges. Uh, again, this is a corrupt sport, and a, a corruption, incompetence, whatever you want to talk about. But I had Showtime Sean Porter, my man, in studio here Thursday, sitting in your seat, and he said, look out, man. Canelo could be in some trouble, and he was absolutely right. So really, really uh, good... Uh, to see that uh, the biggest face and the biggest name in the sport of boxing lost a fight. I think that's actually good for the sport, not bad for the sport. So congratulations uh, for the uh, really uh, dominating performance. But Brian, what does this set up, of course, when you have a loss like this? Exactly. So this is kind of like a a par for the course for a a situation such as this. No question, but Canelo ain't getting any younger. No, so uh, I wouldn't. Uh, you know, so I think it'll be exciting build up uh, when they do have a rematch here. So, Chris, we went to the Aces game last night. Mm-hmm. Of course, this was Becky Hammond's first home game as head coach, and it was interesting. You know, I'm sitting right behind the bench, and uh, no other place I'd rather sit besides the whole bench. Yeah. Uh, Little strange not seeing Bill Lambier on the sidelines, but uh, before we get to the actual game, Chris, and we'll probably talk more about it later as well. Uh, a lot of cool people in the stands. Tyron Lue. Was there? Yep. Uh, some other NBA players were present, and I noticed uh, sitting across from us uh, where Mark Davis was sitting. Of course, the owner of the Las Vegas Aces, and of course the the, the Las Vegas Raiders sitting right next to him, Governor Sisolak and his lovely wife. Um, so I've never met Governor Sisolak face to face. I think I interviewed him years back when he was like an assemblyman or something or a town right. council. But uh, so I w- walked up to him at halftime, shook his hand. 
And the first thing I said, how you doing, Governor? My name is Brian Shapiro. You know, I, I do a show here in Vegas. And he looks at me and he goes, oh, I know who you are. He's like, I listen to your show online all the time. I appreciate what you do. And I'm like, wow, that was that's very the nice. The Gov, not yeah. afraid to tune into some Pushing yes. the Limits, baby. So that was, that's uh, quality right that there. Was, that was very nice to hear that. In yeah. fact, his uh, communications assistant, uh, she told me that uh, he was a fan of the show. Mm-hmm. So he said uh, he was going to come on the show after the primary. So I'm going to hold him to that. He's very pleasant conversation. I, uh, you know, and I thanked him. For this. Now, listen, I have my criticisms for him, fair criticisms, but I looked at him. I said, you know what? I said, I almost died of the virus two years ago. And he said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm glad you're okay." And I said, I want to thank you for the most part in making the correct decisions that your experts told you to make and making tough decisions instead of listening to the right wing buffoonery out there. I appreciate you for making the right decision. He's like, thank you. That means a lot to me. and then we talked a little bit about COVID protocols. We, we talked a little bit about that. And then I spoke to his wife. And I told her, and by, wow, a very pretty lady, by the way. Very beautiful lady and uh, very kind. And I, I, wa- I said, I wanted to tell you just how sorry I am for what happened to you guys in that restaurant, mm-hmm. the, the man that accosted the governor. And I said, I felt so sorry for you. And she's like, yeah, it was very scary. I appreciate that. And I said, you know, I, I looked at her and I said, you know who really got this going and allowed people like that and gave them a platform? She looked at me. She goes, I think I know what you're going to say. I said, yep, Donald Trump. And she's like, I agree. I agree 100%. Donald Trump gave these people you know, an avenue uh, or, or a bigger megaphone, so to, so, so to speak, you know, to, to behave in the way they behave. Very nice talking to her. She was a very pleasant lady. And I appreciated the governor giving me some time. You know, he didn't just say, hey, how you doing? And just walk away. You know, he t- spoke with me for a few minutes. Didn't have to do that. And he promised me he'd come on the show. So uh, I appreciated that. I appreciated the governor doing that. You know, Chris, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you meet people. They could be politicians. They could be celebrities. You shake their hand and they, uh, okay, nice to meet you. Just walk away. Well, in a social event like that, that's sometimes kind of, you know, there's time restraints or... They, they have just a, another agenda, right? They have mm-hmm. somewhere else to go or somewhere else to do, something else to do, mm-hmm. and therefore that's the case. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it's uh, uh, good to hear that, yeah. the, that the governor had uh, a few minutes for you. He was very and, nice. Yep. And uh, it, it, looked, it sounded like it would, uh, went very well. Yeah, that's it did. Thing. Very nice. So. I like the fact he's, he's a fan of the show, so I, I kind mm-hmm. of uh, – not to toot my own horn, but I will in this situation. Um, when you listen to talk radio in Las Vegas – I'm talking about talk radio. I'm not talking about morning shows that talk about what color underwear Kim Kardashian is wearing. Those aren't the shows that I'm talking about. I'm talking about political talk radio. Um, Everybody's on the right, literally. That's not just in Las Vegas, by the way. That's all over the country, really. I mean, mean, in this town. Think about it. There's there's only a handful of of shows that would be considered either independent or uh, uh, leaning towards the left when it comes to to talk radio. In in this city, Wayne Allen Cook also known as Wayne Allen Root. He is a kook. Um, Alan Stock, I think he does an hour a day. I don't even know if Heidi Harris is still on the air anymore. Kevin Wall. Boy, those are some beauties I just named. Uh, every there's single a, There's another one at the station that we were previously at that we haven't mentioned, but, but yeah. you, get, you get the gist of you it. Get the, yeah, you get the gist. And, and they all have the same right-wing talking points. It's the same old boring vanilla right-wing radio. And I think uh, he appreciates the fact that you know I'm not one of those people. Uh, you could say I'm middle of the road vanilla radio if you'd like, but I'm not right wing buffoonery radio. I'll tell you that. And I told him, I said, the idea that you just woke up one day, Governor, 
I told him this, and that you decided to shut the state down because you thought it would help you politically is probably the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And he laughed and he said, yeah, you're right. He put his hand on my shoulder. He's like, I know uh, when I come on your show, you're not going to set me up. You'll give me a fair shake. And I said, I will. And uh, so that was it. I shook his hand, uh, shook his wife's hand and, and went about my way. And we watched the second half, which was a very entertaining Las Vegas Aces game. We'll talk more about it in our number two. But congratulations to Becky Hammond. She is a fantastic basketball coach. I was a little surprised by how calm her demeanor was. But, I, but you know, I watched her coach in the NBA Summer League here where she won a, a championship in the NBA Summer League. And she was very calm then, too. She just has a very calm confident demeanor about herself and she is just an x's and o's guru you want to talk about somebody who is just so smart i think her demeanor is perfect for the nba i really do because most nba coaches that are very successful and again i don't want to compare her to phil jackson and get carried away here but when you look at some of the most fantastic nba coaches in history most of them have that very calm demeanor i mean phil jackson uh, had that demeanor now college is very different uh, and I wouldn't say Gino Auriyama is uh, has a calm demeanor. Uh, many college basketball coaches, men, are not very calm. But when you look at the NBA, right, and you look at some of the most successful coaches ever, uh, we're talking NBA. Steve Kerr is another one that comes to mind. They're pretty calm on the sidelines. They have a calm, confident demeanor about them. So she just carries herself like that. Well, you, I, I'll, I'll do you one better, Brian. I'll talk about the guy that she just worked for. Greg Popovich. Okay? Yeah, yep. Greg Popovich. is. Yep. I mean, she absolutely takes her cues when it comes to, I think, her uh, responses and the way that she deals with things yeah. from a basketball standpoint to, yeah. to Greg Popovich. Now, sure. look, she's... Uh, She's never been a head coach before. Okay, so I, again, I don't want to get like you just said. Let's not get carried away and start talking about her like she is an all-time great coach. She's not yet. She still has to make her bones. I think she will. She be. Still has. Well, I understand that, but it's not. She's she's coached two games. Okay, so let's calm down. All right, I, and I understand that this is a team that absolutely looks like it has a chance to be a real contender in the WNBA, and I think that so far, yes, she's pushed all the right buttons. She's said all the right things, and it's a great start to her coaching career but with respect to you know her demeanor and the way that she is I think she's absolutely taken a lot of her cues from Greg Popovich and that coaching staff and that organization that she's worked for for you know the past handful of years she's been that that is a that is a big plus for her working for San Antonio you want to talk about the standard bearers in the NBA when it comes to coaching and when it comes to how to handle yourself as a professional and as a coach Working for that organization in San Antonio is, has been a big plus for her moving forward. Yeah, it's not a, for me, it's not about getting carried away. I like to judge coaches, and, and I like to watch their demeanors. Well, I'm not talking it's about interesting. You, 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 it's interesting. Hold on, hold on. It's, it's two it's, games it's, in. It's, it's interesting it's games, after. Brian. Well, yeah, so. I still have predictions, and I'm going to get my prediction, yeah. and I think uh, eventually she is going to be an NBA coach. I don't think she's going to go to college. I think she's going to be an NBA coach in our lifetime, and I think this is a stepping stone for her. She needed to be a head coach somewhere. This was the perfect spot for her to be, and I believe uh, one day she will be coaching men as a head coach in the NBA. I do think that's going to happen. With that said, it was interesting because after the game, I want to get the players' takes on this team last year. Uh, the differences between style of play, Bill Lambeer uh, versus Becky Hammett. So Asia Wilson was up there. Uh, two other players. Uh, Hamby was up there as well. I'm trying to remember who the third player was. That uh, was up Jackie there. Young. Jackie Young. Third, three yeah. players that were obviously on this team last year under Bill Lambeer. And listen, I think Bill Lambeer, a uh, really good head coach. He's, he's won championships in the, in the WNBA. He won a lot of games here in Las Vegas. He did a really good job. But I wanted to get a sense from the players 
of what the differences were and if they're more comfortable now than they were then. And I got the sense that they are absolutely more comfortable under Becky Hammond uh, than they were building beer. I asked Asia Wilson uh, after the game, I said, what do you think of the differences where the team is at right now at this time compared to last year? And they said, well, a lot of things. First of all, she said they weren't necessarily going after 50-50 balls last year. That's a hustle thing. I mean, that's basically, you're basically saying that last year under Bill Lambeer, you weren't necessarily getting yeah, but it 100%. But, but, but Brian, I'll push back a little bit on that. That's, that's kind of an indictment on themselves. That's an indictment on the players. If a player's going to come out and say that, all right, you're a professional basketball player. This isn't, in, you, you aren't in elementary or middle or high school anymore. You're professional. So when you make a statement like that, it's not all on Bill Lambeer if, if they quote unquote, weren't going for 50-50 balls or won't, weren't hustling. Well, I'm just going by what she said. You can, well, take, I'm, I'm just, I'm you can take it as you want, but I well, took it. I, I, I took I'm it, just making a response. I'm telling I, you, I have a response. I to took what, it as who's responsible we're, more, we're more comfortable now and we're a much better team now than That's they fine. were at this time yeah. last year. And, uh, you know, I didn't really hear anybody say, well, Bill did a great job. We were a good team last year. Uh, really none of that. It was more of uh, – and it's interesting. What I heard from them is free flow. That's, I heard the word free. We feel free now. You know, it's like shoot a lot of threes, run in transition, up-tempo basketball. And that's why I think Becky Hammond's going to be an NBA coach one day because even the players said it yesterday. She runs this team like an NBA team. You know, last year uh, it was, you know, more of triangle offense. It was more of get it in the post. Post, post, post every time down the floor. Now, they still throw the ball in the post now and then, but this is a team that likes to score in transition, and they run a lot. It's more exciting for the fans to watch. Um, I thought that was going to be UNLV basketball under Dave Rice, but he certainly didn't know how to lead a team to run uh, and didn't play defense either. That's another thing about this team is they play defense. Um, They beat a very good basketball team yesterday, Seattle. I don't know if Seattle's going to win it all this year, uh, but Seattle's certainly a top three or four team in the league. I think you could easily make that. A uh, couple Hall of Famers out there. Um, really good team. And it was a very good basketball game. But here's the difference to me, and it wasn't really talked about yesterday. This is a question I wanted to ask. Is that Becky Hammond talks a lot about conditioning. You know, making sure you're, if you're going to run, you got to be in good physical condition. The last four or five minutes of that game yesterday, Seattle looked like the tired team. They ran out of gas. I felt like Las Vegas could have played another 20 minutes. I didn't see players huffing and puffing. Uh, Seattle had to sit a lot of their starters and put bench players in there. That People don't realize how huge that is. If you play that style of basketball like Las Vegas plays, yep. the final four or five minutes of the game, the other team's going to be gassed because they have to run with you the whole game. But again, that can be also a reflection of it being early in the season, right? And some, and some of these players, quite frankly aren't in shape, right? They're not going to be in, 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 in play shape. But Las Vegas is. They're not going to be in game shape. Like they, They're going to be you know, seven, eight, nine, ten games into the season. Perhaps. We're just, we're just basically two games in. Perhaps, but that's my point, though. Las Vegas yeah. did look like the team that was you know, mid-season, late season. They looked like the team that was Well, yeah, in shape. Seattle had that one-point lead, right, going into right. the fourth quarter, right. basically in the fourth quarter. They ran out of gas. Quarter. They ran then, out of gas. And then they weren't able to, to close it out. They ran out of gas. Yeah. So I think conditioning, when it comes to really any professional sport, but especially basketball, uh, if you're in that type of condition and you're running, and they play that style, uh, uh, you know, up and down, up and down, up, which I love. It's a lot of fun to watch. Um, similar to the Golden State Warriors and their offense, quite frankly. Um, so I think that's a testament. Uh, I think this team is the best team in the league. And listen, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I don't go through every roster of every WNBA basketball team thoroughly. Come I, on I, now, Brian. I don't Tell do that. Hey, hey, Rick, Numchuck and uh, PTL out there. <laughs> Brian Shapiro just makes a deep dive. 
when it comes to WNBA rosters and predictions yeah. throughout the 2022 yeah. season. Well, listen, I'm not going to be that person, but I will tell you this. I do believe, and I said this, I said this a week ago, and I'll say it again. I think the Aces are going to be the first professional franchise uh, to hold a parade in Las Vegas. I do. I think they're going to win it all this year. Uh, Becky Hammond, uh, first female coach to ever lead an NBA Summer League roster. She won the championship. I feel like this is going to have... It's not going to be easy. Some good teams out there. thought the crowd was, was good yesterday. thought they were loud. Fun crowd, even though the idiot sitting behind us that was banging those... What do you call those things? What do you call those things? The guy I don't was, even remember the guy banging him. Thundersticks. Thundersticks. Oh, he's a thunder yeah. idiot is what he is. I mean, you're... A, can I just add... I know fans want to... He's not just blasting the... Uh, I know. Listen. I, game one. He's, he's already I know, I know you want to have a good time at a game. Okay. For example, Brian Salmon's daughters were at the game. They are right. so cute. They're like, I think I'm probably wrong in the age, but like around 11 and 8. Mm. Um, they're so cute. What was that? What is that? A little uh, hype music and hype? Uh, oh. background club club tunes oh, okay. behind uh, Brian Shapiro's Fair enough. commentary here. Fair enough. Uh, so <laughs> it, uh, it caught me by surprise. That's all. It throws them off. Oh, what are they called again? Thundersticks? Okay. So this guy is sitting behind us, and he's banging his stupid thundersticks after every free throw is made, after every shot is made. And I look back, I'm like, are you 10 years old? Like, that, those are for 10-year-olds, not for grown men watching a game. What, you, what are you doing? And it's so annoying, too. I'm trying to watch the game. I have a headache. And I got this idiot sitting behind me that's screaming and yelling, doesn't know a lick about basketball, nothing. Like, this, the comments some of these fans make... And by the way, the overwhelming majority of fans were not acting like fools. But I'm just saying, this guy behind us, complete moron, just just an idiot, complete you, you, idiot. You just started off this this uh, diatribe talking about how the fans <laughs> were great and raucous and it was awesome. There were a Game few morons. I, there was a, and then and as you bring up one guy that was in the stands, there's a guy sitting that was, behind that was, me that was, that was whacking his stuff. Yeah. Wow. Whoa. Like, whoa. 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 Hey. I mean, Chris, I know you whack your stuff you every night, yet. but let's take it easy there, pal. All right. So anyway, I was being the funny guy and actually worked. All right. Yeah, all right. Well, whack your stuff. Whack your stuff on your own time, not exactly. here. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the guy behind us to you, buddy. Put the wax sticks down or whatever the hell you call it. What do you call that? The thunder sticks? Thunder sticks. You call them thunder sticks? This, this is, of course, Thunderstruck by ACDC. Yeah, yeah. Well, what an Good idiot. Stuff, How could you be a grown man? The guy was like 55 years old, I'm guessing. Big tummy, much larger than both of ours. Looked like he was like six months pregnant. Maybe he was. I don't know. And he's sitting there yelling after every play, and he's banging his thunder sticks. I'm like, dude, you are just a loser. All right? I'm sorry. You're a loser. Brian, I'm sure there's a lot of stocky and, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, husky Aces fans out there, okay? Yeah, fair enough. All right, Chris, we got to get to some serious stuff now. We got to get to some serious stuff now. Thank you for the The music. Aces aren't serious stuff. Getting, no, well, going listen, 2 and 0 to start the season. In closing, in closing congr- congratulations yes. to Becky Hammond. It was a fun game. It was a fun atmosphere. Games are a lot of fun to go to. I really enjoy going to the games. Do I think players deserve a lot more money? No. That's another story for another show. But the games are a lot of fun. Uh, the people within the organization are very good at what they do, including Giggy. Got to put a shout out to him, John Maxwell. They're all really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I say the same thing about the Aviators, too. Um, you know, I love these franchises. There's some in town that are just real people that are really good at what they do. And let's just put it this way. There are some professional franchises in town, people that are not very good at what they do. I'll leave it at that. But anyway, Chris, um, I'm excited to have this guy joining us coming up at the bottom of the hour. You probably heard of him. His name is uh, Alex Boyle. He served this country honorably. And he made national news because one of his videos, uh, one video went viral. He, he uh, approached Marjorie Taylor Greene at one of her events in Georgia and he he didn't attack her, 
but he went after her in a respectful way and challenged her. And I wanted to play the video for her because he's going to be joining us here in a couple minutes. So this is Alex Boyle. This was the other day. This video went viral. I want to play the whole thing for you. It's only a couple minutes. Trust me, folks. It's worth it. Running into Marjorie Taylor Greene, unscripted. I want you to listen to this interaction because it's great. Please, for me to understand. Well, he's talking about how the, the leadership of this country cost 13 to get killed in Afghanistan, which I'm sure is a veteran that upset she. They armed the Taliban. They they now have uh, training wait a in minute, the military wait a minute, wait a minute. for woke training. Those are the things I was talking about. You're forcing COVID-19. That has nothing to do yeah, with my service. No, sir, I wasn't talking about your service. I was talking about today's military. Again, you've gotten that twisted and... and I'm no, I haven't. I heard that. what you said. No, I read sir. the text. No, sir. You didn't hear my full, didn't hear my full message. And, and, well, here, yeah. Here's the problem. Sir, you you, you, you cast disparaging things against the Jewish no, community. No, you suggested a space laser. No, sir. I have not. No, sir. I you have are not. disrespecting the, the United States Congress. No, sir. And I you're ashamed. No, sir. And I, I wish I, I'm really horribly, horribly saddened that the 14th district has gone to such craziness. But hopefully we're going to make that correction. Oh, I, I just did my primary vote, and I look forward to maybe one of your challengers seeing you in a runoff. Good luck to them. Thanks for coming by. Yep. God bless you anyway. God bless you, too, and thank you for your service. I appreciate that. I do appreciate that. I love it. I absolutely love it. By the way, I find it so funny, these idiots, these Marjorie Taylor Greene trash supporters in the background. That's not true. You're listening listening to the fake news. It's the fake news. It's not true. I'm going to go back to my mobile home now. It's not true. I got to talk to my dentist because I only got two teeth. Actually, I shouldn't talk about that because I've just had i had like five teeth removed in the last uh, <laughs> three years. I shouldn't really make fun of that. It's the fake news. I mean, what a bunch of dopes. These people in the background. You, you heard that, right? The That's, background noise? Of course I heard it. I was listening to the whole thing. And, and he, he was talking about getting her out of office, right? Is he actually in her district? Is he a voter yes. in her district? Yeah, well, yeah, he's coming up. Now. Yeah, he is, I believe. Yes. Okay. And, and the last thing he said I loved, uh, he said, I can't wait till I vote for one of your competitors and you lose in a runoff. It's so funny. Like, I just love the fact that he challenged her in a respectful way. He didn't call her names, but he challenged her in a respectful way. And by the way, this is a guy who served this country honorably. So uh, his name is Alex Boyle. Like I said, he made national news for that video that surfaced. Uh, a few days ago, and he's going to be joining us next, Chris. So we'll take a quick break. He's Chris Wynn. I'm Brian Shapiro. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right. Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Monday. So glad you could join us. We got Chris Wynn in the house wearing my Jerry Cantrell hat that I bought at the show on Saturday night. And uh, good to be back in studio after being a little bit under the weather the last several days. But I just played for you guys the audio of that man, Alex Boyle, uh, confronting Marjorie Taylor Greene. I absolutely loved it. And I said, i got to get this guy on the show. He's a veteran. He served this country honorably. Mm -hmm. If anybody's voice should be heard, it should be people like him. And so happy to have Alex Boyle joining us right now on the show. Alex, thank you so much for being here. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm feeling well. I just spent uh, three hours over at the VA working on a, another matter, but uh, that's the way it goes. I'm 
in a good spot here, good signal, and looking forward to whatever you wish to ask. Well, Alex, let me start off by it's saying— Alex, too, right? Is it Alex, Alex right? Alex, Alex, let me, a- Alex, Alex, let me start off by—, by okay. uh, by asking you this for or saying this for you first thank you so much for your service thank you for serving this country honorably and i think that's the first thing that we should always say to people like you so i wanted to thank you for that first sir thank you very much for that i do appreciate it and for some of your listeners who may not know may happens to be uh veteran appreciation month uh is in some circles for uh so this is this is a, a poignant month for for those of us who have served and uh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. I have the utmost respect for people like you. Okay, so let's start from square one, Alex. You hear Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to be showing up to this event. Uh, what made you decide to be there that day? So it was truly organic. I had no idea that Miss Green was even going to be in town. That particular day was the first day of early voting for Georgia residents. Uh, as you know, Georgia changed some of the uh, regulations as it works to towards voting as as a direct lashback because Georgia elected two non-white Republican WASP senators. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got long story short, I went to early vote and my uh, our county sheriff who knows me uh, as I was walking out of the courthouse, he said, well, Alex, you ought to go meet your congresswoman. Oh, and I looked I looked at him and he said it with a grin on his face, <laughs> even though he's a re- even though he's a Republican. Uh, he's he's a sensible guy. And uh, long story short, I, I I looked and then he pointed when she was across the street holding, you know, with some of her supporters basically doing some sort of a tour where she was actually going out and meeting some of the people. And I commend her for that. And long story uh, short as I can make it, um, I at first had no intentions of going over there. And as I, as I left, I had uh, some quick errands to run. And, and for some reason I decided to come back by because the thing that popped into my mind was her comment suggesting that I was throwing my life away when I went to serve my country, Mm -hmm. not only me, but the hundreds of thousands of us. And not only that, going back to the Revolutionary War, the very first veterans who threw their life away establishing this country, according Mm -hmm. to her. Despicable. And it is despicable. And with that, I decided that I thought, well, maybe, maybe I, I didn't, completely understand where she was coming from. So I literally went in to discuss with her there on on the streets in uh, Lafayette, Georgia, which is the county seat of Walker County. And Walker County borders Tennessee to the north and Alabama to the east. And we're we're a very independent, rural part of the Appalachian uh, region mentality. And uh, we, we like to know where people are coming from. And so I asked her, I said, ma'am, I, I, I believe, whatever, however I, I said it. So I just like, help me understand uh, your comments as it relates to me, th- you know, uh, perhaps throwing my life away. I forget my exact uh, verbiage at this point. And, and she said, oh, you've misunderstood me or they've taken that out of context. And I, I, I pushed in on this. And I did not take it out of context. She said, 
that we were throwing our lives away. Right. And then she she drifted into some issues about Afghanistan. Right. And really, really failed to address the essence of her comments and what that represented. And Alex, I'm not surprised. You know, we played the whole video and she dodged what you said. What she should have said was. I didn't mean it that way. I apologize. You're not throwing your life away. You're right. Instead, she talked Absolutely. about how Joe Biden gave the Taliban weapons. Let's go through one by one, uh, Alex, if I may. Uh, first sure. of all, she's talked about the soldiers that died in Afghanistan. My question to her would be, can you name me a war where we withdrew our troops and no soldiers died? She wouldn't know how to answer that question, yet she wants to blame Joe Biden. Listen, mistakes were made, right, Alex? There's no question about that. But to single out Joe Biden, when every president that's had a war that had to withdraw troops, troops lost their lives. It's sad. It's tragic. But to single out Joe Biden, to me, is so stupid of her to do. Well, it's it's hypocritical because— uh, I noticed she never commented when Trump did the pullout of everything out of uh, Syria, I believe right. it was, and right. handed over everything to the Russians. Right. I'll make and, it. Yeah, you're right. Furthermore, yeah. And furthermore, she never commented about the fact that Trump administration left all our interpreters with Syrian backgrounds that were there, left them there. Not a single one of record that I can find through my my due diligence is shown to have been evacuated yeah. with with our service members. Agree. They turned over millions of stuff to the Russians. Agree. And Alex, so according to her, it's all right to give it to the Russians. Right. But it's not all right to take nearly seven hundred thousand Afghans back to this country or to yeah. other places as as displaced refugees mm. under a, a regime of the Taliban. And uh, it, it seems like she has truly either a a vast vast memory loss or she's absolutely and totally despicable and a hypocrite and the worst kind of person i can imagine representing the good people of northwest georgia alex i think it's the latter by the way i'll even go a step further what about the 2000 isis terrorists that donald trump freed i mean that was part of the deal she forgets about that as well and by the way she said joe biden administration left uh weapons uh to, to ISIS. That's not true. They left weapons to the Afghan army, as you know. The Afghan army right. deserted those weapons. She's a liar. Right. I agree with you. She's despicable. And then you brought up the Jews, uh, the space laser, and I'm Jewish, by the way. And yeah. by the way, you're oh. absolutely yeah. right about that. Uh, she believed a QAnon conspiracy theory. Uh, you're absolutely right that mm-hmm. Jews were starting forest fires by pointing lasers at, at for- right. and she denied it. She lied to your face. You're a man. She did. That's why she this did. moment is so poignant. Uh, to the type of person you are and the type of person she is. You're confronting her I, with I, truth, and she's lying to your face, lying. And, and I would hope that, that the people that watch that, even though you could tell that, that I was uh, upset and frustrated, I tried to be respectful to mm-hmm. her. You were. And I hope, I hope that that came through. Uh, it did. And I, by the way, I was saying that before you came on last segment, Alex. I was saying this man was very respectful to her. What do you make of some of these people in the background? I was kind of making fun of them a little bit, Alex. You're listening to the fake news. Like I heard these people in the background shouting well, out stupidity while you were having a conversation with her. When, first of all, it's rude to speak over somebody who's trying to talk to their congressperson. And I think a lot of those people have disconnected themselves 
from legitimate news sources. And really, when those kind of people say fake news, what they're saying is you're listening to the truth. (laughs) Right. And they simply cannot grasp reality. I think there is an element of delusion that has uh, filtrated through and permeated through the Republican ranks. And that delusional mentality is uh, is is teeters on some mental illness at some level. And, you know, if if I want to be as as gracious as humanly possible about Miss Green, I would have to say, okay, let's take her at her face value that she honestly, when she was on the witness stand and testifying that she could not remember nearly 90 percent of the elements that she was questioned on. And only occasionally when she was shown absolute evidence that it was her video, her tweets, her statements on Facebook, her position, that she would finally, finally acquiesce grudgingly. Let's let's say for for giving her the, the truest possible benefit of the doubt, then we have to say to ourselves, she is having serious cognitive issues. So, Alex, we think you, about it. Oh, oh, no, continue. And it, either it's serious yeah. cognitive issues or something far worse. Mm-hmm. I would like her people to answer me those questions. Fair question. Which one do you think it is? So, Alex. Do you think it's serious cognitive or, or what? Yeah. So, Alex, looking ahead then, uh, what's the end game here? Because obviously, you know, you, you, made, you, you, you pointed out to her, you know, the intentions of what you and others, I'm, I'm sure, from Northwest Georgia would yeah. like to have the, the, the intending consequence. Well, those of us outside of that district, we always ask right. the question all the time, how the heck? Does a woman like this right. get elected to the United States uh, House of Representatives? So what, what is the uh, what's kind of the, the setup? What's what's the plan as far as the genesis, what's moving forward? The genesis of people like her mm-hmm. and Bobard out in Colorado mm-hmm. and Gossard and some of those folks. And, of course, the the really star example of, of freshman Republican and congressman, Mr. Madison Cawthorn, or mm. maybe it's supposed to be Mrs. Madison Cawthorn. I'm not sure where he is on that. I haven't seen a press release from his office on that yet. <laughs> By but, his wardrobe, um, you wouldn't know. Yeah. The, the genesis of, of people like that being elected in the Republican ranks, and please understand, mm-hmm. you're talking to somebody in the 90s. I was a young Republican National Committee man, mm-hmm. one of 50 National Committee men, and then there's 50 National Committee women that serve on the Young Republican National Board. I was one of those. I was elected statewide as a young Republican back in the 90s. You're talking to somebody who has served as a precinct committeeman, who has served as a district rep for for the what would have been Northwest District, uh, the seventh and the tenth, and now the fourteenth over the course of the last forty years. I have followed this, and I considered myself a fiscally conservative Republican mm-hmm. who felt strongly about the concepts of environment that Teddy Roosevelt believed in about conservation so the party has drifted and then you have this thing called gerrymandering and gerrymandering i believe is the number one causality of these fringe candidates and now i hate to say it they're not so much the fringe anymore within republican circles correct 
the, the Republican Party has very few. There's a fellow named, I believe, Tom Rice in South Carolina, representative there, who spoke the truth the other day as a Republican congressman who voted, I believe he voted for the impeachment, and who's one of the few sensible, literate Republicans who is standing up for integrity and decency. Mm-hmm. However, gerrymandering continues to erode the concepts that if we had a more equitable system in how districts are created, that would take care of some of this extremism. I agree with you. Northwest yeah. Georgia, Northwest Georgia, like South uh, Central uh, Colorado, mm-hmm. um, with Miss Barbart, uh, there is a strong independent nature that that waves mm-hmm. through our our general population, mm-hmm. and it's a plurality. Yeah. yeah, and those people are just upset for not understanding how our civic processes actually work. And in their mind, if you throw a monkey wrench into it, and the monkey wrench is people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Madison Cawthorn, and those those extremists, if you throw a monkey wrench in it, that's going to help. Well, we both know that if you're working on a car and you throw your monkey wrench into the engine, you're only going to make matters worse. Mm. That's a good and unfortunately, analogy. there's yeah. there's this disconnect between reality and how to actually move forward in the govern in the process of governing and legislating. Miss mm. Green can on not even be an effective legislator. She has no way to build rapports in committees. She has she doesn't have the the decorum to deal with people she wants to be combative yeah. to people that she needs to nor the intelligence with. i don't think she's she's an extremely yeah. intelligent person she's despicable I, in my eyes i agree with you if, if just joining us by the way we're speaking with uh former service member who served this country honorably alex boyle he made national news navy veteran go yes, navy yes navy <laughs> veteran yes sir and uh who confronted marjorie taylor green in a respectful way it made national news because not too many people have the guts to do what he did he's a hero not for doing that i mean it took up but for serving this country honorably. So, Alex, I have to ask you this. As a, sure. Repu- as a Republican, I'm an independent. Can you explain to me... I'm a former me- Republican at this point. You're a former... <laughs> Repu- okay, I got you. I'm an independent. We probably agree a lot on a lot of issues. I want to ask you this. How can a, a service member or a former service member vote for a man in Donald Trump who not only dodged the military, who attacks women based on looks, who attacked John McCain? We remember what he said about John McCain. Don't respect him because he was captured. When you hear these despicable comments over over and over and over again. And listen, I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton either, but I'm trying to understand there are plenty of veterans out there that support Donald Trump. You're a veteran. Well, How could these people have, support Donald Trump? How? It, it is bizarre. And in disclosure, sir, in 2000, I was a part of the uh, coastal campaign for John McCain in mm-hmm. 2000. Mm-hmm. And I got acquainted with uh, then Senator McCain, who is one of my heroes. Sure. And a man that I had have absolute great respect for. Uh, ironically, he even later on admitted that probably the biggest mistake he made politically was picking Sarah Palin. And I agree, I agree with that. I agree. Yep. Uh, long story short, how can any truly honorably thoughtful veteran support Donald Trump? I think some of them could have still done that in 2016 early on. But I think after his bombastic mentality or lack of as president, 
the the mindset of veterans who who continue to support him and i saw a guy with a trump thing on at the va today i did not want to go into that conversation with that man but i looked at this man and i can bet you that he's on social security he might be getting a little bit of a va disability which i i'm not getting yet but hopefully they're going to work on that (laughs) and he depends on the benefits that people like trump and the republicans want to take away from him miss green voted against the there was a talk there was a legislation that would help fund uh veterans who were affected by toxic smoke from think from burn pits in right. iraq and she voted against that for there there was there is no logical reason to do that yeah. it was it's 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 a shame i cannot understand how a a, a veteran other than that they are just not informed. Yeah. And Can I tell you why, Alex? That- Can I tell you why she sure. voted against it like other Republicans? Here's my opinion. Because Joe Biden was at the forefront, and Democrats are at the forefront in putting this bill together to help veterans, to help people like you. And the only reason why somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene voted against it uh, was at the hands of not being able to help veterans and heroes is so it could hurt Joe Biden. Because you don't want to help Joe Biden because they created the bill. I think that's why they voted against it, and I think that's why yeah. the only reason why they voted against it. And, and what your what that logic is throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. That is what that logic is doing. And the only time Republicans truly care about life is when it's in a woman's womb. Mm-hmm. After that, they don't give a damn. Yeah. And that is come through by their policy and their objections to good policy that help the poor and underprivileged. Even when I was a, a, a active Republican. I felt like this country should always feed the hungry and should always take care of the most needy. That's scriptural to me. In in my faith, which is rooted from a Jewish carpenter, we're taught if you if you truly study the Bible, even even the Torah, it's a take care of the poor people, take care of the least fortunate. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, the Republican Party does not believe in that and how they can call themselves pro-life is is beyond me and you're right there are republicans out there who are voting against good policy simply because the president our duly elected president of the united states joseph r biden was elected president and they are filled with evil I and agree. that is not what good, decent Republicans are about. Agreed. It's certainly not what good Americans want for our public policy, and certainly not what we veterans want when we've got issues that need to be dealt with at the VA that, that may need a legislative uh, process to to have a remedy to help us. I, I guess I and would that, ask I would ask you this. And by the way, ahead. I agree with every everything you just said. And I, I talk about this all the time when it comes to the abortion issue. These Republicans are are, are pro life right until the baby's born. Then they're, in my opinion, then they're anti life. But let's. I want to ask you this: If you were in a room with Donald Trump. Uh, like the interaction you had with Marjorie Taylor Greene, if you had an opportunity to have a few minutes with Donald Trump, I'm curious, as a man who served this country honorably, a former Republican, what would you say to Donald Trump? First of all, I would want to make sure that I treat him with respect and dignity as any older man needs to be treated. And I would, I would ask him, sir, how in the world can you continually deny reality about an election. I would, 
I would just like to have a sincere answer for this. I, 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 is he on some sort of absolute script? Again, is there is there some defect in cognitive matters for him that, that and he just denies reality? And then that, of course, that's another matter. But at some level, I want to believe that that man knows he legitimately lost. And this is simply a way to keep him in the public eye and to keep him as a possibility for 2024 when all that does is suck the air out for other Republicans. So in a a way, it's it's interesting. It's an albatross for a a sincere, decent potential candidate. We have here uh, north of us in Tennessee – uh, former Senator Bob Corker would be an excellent, decent man to be pr- uh, a Republican president. And people like that, who and, and Mr. Corker called Trump out on several factors when he was uh, chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. And the, the simple matter is to have that decent conversation. I, I would love to I would love to ask him that. Why will you why will you please just just recognize reality yeah that's the thing too right alex about about a donald trump is that he's been kind of a shock to the system right he's this guy who's kind of out of the box uh just completely different because you think about it and alex you were a former republican right i say this as a democrat as a fellow veteran right who's a democrat who who also I thought of I thought of Republicans when I talk about Mitt Romney, when I talk about John McCain, the late John McCain, when I talk about even the Bushes, both senior and junior, when I talk about Ronald Reagan, when I talk about Gerald Ford, these are decent human beings, yes. right? For the most part, absolutely. they're absolutely decent human beings. That kind of, that just got all blown up, right? In, in 2016, right. with Donald Trump, who kind of came into the mix and was you, you talked about it with Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and about the voters out there thinking a monkey wrench is the solution. Donald Trump essentially is a monkey wrench and 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 is yes. was thought of that way. Yes. And and th- th- there's no effective policy that I can think of mm-hmm. that came out of his 4 years as president. I I will say this. I I believe our borders should be protected and defended. I don't have yeah. a problem with that. And I I support lawful immigration. I don't have a problem with that. I am so frustrated at the fact, okay, let's face it, Mexico was never going to pay for the wall. That was just a little thing that people, and there's probably some some Trump supporters that actually believed in that Mexico was going to pay for that, bless their hearts. Uh, and here we are, he had four years and could not build a wall, could not get it done. Now, mm-hmm. it, he made some progress, and now we find out that some of that has fallen down because they they hired apparently uh, underqualified contractors and and didn't even do the parts that they did are not even effective. Uh, yeah. So immigration is, a, is an important issue. I, I hope that, that the Republicans and Democrats will come together. We had uh, Bob Corker said recently that the reason that they won't fix it is because they think it's good political theater. And he's pointing the finger very subtly and very gentlemanly at his own party for that because yeah. they're using it as political theater. They won't come together yeah. and, and redo some immigration. Keep in mind, Ronald Reagan gave blanket amnesty 
to I believe it was a million five yeah. uh, illegals in this country when they dealt with the immigration. When no, he you're right. Was that would never happen, and that would never happen today. Alex, I'm against the clock. I want to say this to you. Sure. Uh, as I said to start this interview, you're a breath of fresh air. You're a hero. Uh, you serve this country honorably. I love the fact that you're you're respectful but outspoken, which I think is important. And I love what you did, uh, not just for serving this country, of course, that being the most important thing, but the fact that you Thank weren't you. afraid to stand up to Marjorie Taylor Greene and speak your mind. I respect the hell out of you for that. And I'll tell you this, Thank if you, you ever run for office, you got my vote, sir. I'll tell you that right now. You're a well, hero. You're a smart hope- man. And I, and I appreciate you. Thank you. I hope I'm honoring the legacy of my eighth great-grandfather who fought in the Revolution with Colonel Daniel Boone, Major John Boyle of Kentucky and Virginia, and my grandfather who landed on Normandy, Wow! and my father who served in the Navy right before Vietnam hit, heated up. I hope I'm honoring their legacy. You are, you are Alex. And, and, you know, I know I'm sure that they're looking down on you and they're very proud of you, as I am. I'm so glad there are people like you out there in this world. Thank and, uh, Alex, I really do appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thank you so much, sir. You're a hero. And uh, I, hopefully we can talk again down the road, sir. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate, I appreciate you. That. God bless Thanks, you. Thanks, Alex. And, and, and please, please, please keep doing what you're doing. It's Thank important you. work. Thank, Thank you, Alex. Same to you. Appreciate your time. That is uh, a man who served this country honorably, who's a hero in my eyes. Very well-spoken, intelligent man who speaks the truth. And is decent, right? Yes, is a yes. decent, respectful human being. He was respectful to Marjorie Taylor yeah. Greene. He brought up all the valid points. Uh, I wouldn't have been as nice as him, but I'm a jerk. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm just not a very nice person. Uh, but uh, that man a better that man a better person than I, that's for sure. What a, what a great guy. Wow, that was, that was really cool talking to him. And I wish people like him would run for office. Uh, but you know what? I can understand why a lot of people uh, won't uh, run for office. By the way, I have an O.J. Simpson story I'm going to share for you when we come back. Yes, that's right. Uh, Over the course of the weekend, I had a brief interaction with O.J. Simpson, the juice. Uh, I'll tell you how that went down. Uh, We'll take a quick break. He's Chris Wynn. I'm Brian Shapiro. We'll be back right after this. My thanks, by the way, to Alex Boyle. He's awesome. We'll take a quick break. Be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Welcome back. Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. we got C-Win in the house. We're broadcasting live, of course, on the 1400 dial. Also, streaming video. So you can see uh, us supermodels uh, in studio right now. Uh, on my Twitter page, which is Pushing Limits LV. Also, on my Facebook page, C-Win's Facebook page, social media. On, on my push- Twitter page now, On, on yep. Numchuck's Facebook. And uh, also, the Pushing the Limits Facebook fan page, which we hope you'll go on there and like. Speaking of liking, me and C-Win have been going to this gaming bar for years now. It's called Jackson's Bar and Grill. My friend Brian Slipbach uh, went to dinner with him and his wife last week. I hope I didn't get them sick, by the way. Uh, the owner of uh, this fantastic gaming bar. Great food, great atmosphere, great people. Me and Chris been going. Chris has been making donations there for years, playing his cave All the time. <laughs> yeah, but hey, they got a cool promotion now, Chris, over at Jackson's. By the way, located at Flamingo and Jones. 
So this new promotion is if you hit a jackpot, mm-hmm. say you hit a $2,000 jackpot, you get 10% in free play. So you, you'll get $200. That's top-notch right yeah, there. So you get, yeah, so you get you get $200. So whatever uh, – and by the way, you go in there, you mention my name, the name of the show, you get uh, $10 free slot play, sign up for a player's card. So they got a lot of cool promotions over there. Please check them out and tell them I sent you. Jackson's Bar and Grill located at Flamingo and Jones. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Great place. Uh, I love going there. In fact, we got to hit that. We got to hit up Jackson's this week. Um, so, Chris, this is one of those weird Vegas situations that I never thought I would get into. You know, I remember I was 12 years old. I had come home from my, uh, I want to say it was my junior high prom. It was either 12 or 13. And I remember I just had, I'm going to gross everybody, I just had my first kiss with a girl. So I'm flying high, right? Uh, I finally kissed a girl, and I'm, I go home, and I'm so excited. I tell my dad, and, and uh, then we put on the TV, and it's the OJ Chase live. He's like, Brian, you got to check this out. Bry. He calls me Bry, my dad. And hopefully have him just pull over. And right oh, now, is that I the chase? Wow. The police doing anything. Yeah, so radical. I put on the TV, and, and me and my dad are watching the chase live. And that's, I think that was the first moment I said to myself, I want to be in the news business because this is, it's kind of exciting. You know, we're watching the OJ Chase live. It was, it was, it was surreal. I was actually covering this live. It was my first job as an yeah. intern in the media business. I was working at a TV station called New England Cable News in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually, it's kind of like CNN New yeah. England, Brian. And so I actually was covering this live. So, so yeah. me and my dad are watching it. Now, if you had told me 30 years later that I'd be at home and I would get a call from OJ Simpson, I would not have believed you. So here's how it all went down. It's a crazy story. Mutual friend of OJ's is a friend of mine. Now, I've never hung out with OJ before. I've never spoken to him before. I've seen him in the courtroom when I was a reporter. So, Would you describe this individual who's friends with OJ as your friend, O'Brien? I would probably say he's more uh, of an acquaintance. Uh, because I don't know if you want to necessarily I say, yeah, him. I've got friends who are friends with OJ. I met him recently. But. I'm not, I'm, uh, you know, a uh, nice guy. I'll say that. Okay. I'm not going to say who it is, but a nice guy. Anyway, this person knew that I was sick because he invited me to a cigar bar, mm-hmm. I believe, Thursday night. And that's when I couldn't do the show Friday. I was really not feeling good. So I had to cancel on him. So he calls me from this cigar bar. It was like one of those Facebook FaceTime calls with yeah. OJ. And he, I see the picture and it's him standing right next to OJ and OJ hoping I feel better. I'm in a robe and he's talking to me and OJ's like feeling sorry for me. He says, hey, Brian, nice to meet you. I hope you feel better. You know, I just had a heart surgery recently. I know what it's like to be sick. Uh, I hope you get better, my man. And I'm like, and I look at, uh, and Rick was there when when this all went down. I looked at him like, did that just happen? Did the juice just wish me to feel better? I'm like, if you rewind 30 years, I'm like, this is the guy that's going to be wishing me well when I'm sick. It was, just, it was kind of a surreal, bizarre situation. It was very strange, uh, and I cannot believe it happened, and I actually have a video of it, too, which I, I'm Only not Only in Vegas it. can Brian Shapiro get a well-wishing <laughs> message from a convicted armed robber slash alleged double murderer. Well, he and was, it, uh, he was found financially liable for the murders. Exactly. Um, but that That's was a I very, said, But I said alleged. As you know, uh, O.J. Simpson um, uh, lives here in Las Vegas. Let me ask you a question, Chris. Yes. Uh, I don't know how you would deal. I'm not saying I was offered this, but I want to ask you this hypothetically. If you found out that you could play a round of golf with O.J. in your cart for 18 holes with no weapons present, by the way, uh, <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> Terrible joke. Uh, no, I'm being serious, though. I'm being serious. Stop laughing, though, Chuck. This is a very serious question. Um, would you play 18 holes of golf with O.J. Simpson if you had the opportunity? Yes, I would. Tell me why. Because I want to ask him questions. 
And you're, you're putting a hypothetical situation towards me, right? Yes. The hypothetical situation being I would be in a cart with O.J. Simpson. The juice. Yes. The juice for, is loose. For a <laughs> solid three, four hours. You would. And the, my premise Well, knowing the way you play be, golf, it'd probably be about six hours. I could ask him hours, anything, but, right? Yeah. It'd be, I, it'd theoretically, be, but you're wrong. I could ask him anything. Can I just stop you? You're factually right. It wouldn't be okay. a three or four round because you'd be playing golf. It'd be about six or seven hours. But I just So, so even more so. I would have more time <laughs> with the juice. That, that's all. Okay, with O.J. You would. You would. You're a hacker. So you would. theoretically, <laughs> I could ask him whatever I want. So that would be my purpose for doing Theoretically, it. I think he's I'm a sure... despicable human being. I think he's a piece of crap. I think that, you know, he's not somebody who, it, it's, it, I gotta be quite honest, it'd be almost, you're, you're asking me what I want to be in the same, in the same golf cart as a Jeffrey Dahmer or a Charles Manson. You know what I mean? It's kind of like those kind of people we're talking about. And the only reason, to be quite honest with you, from my perspective, and I'm interested in what your reaction would be and what you would say. Mm-hmm. My, my, my reaction is yes, because I would love to ask him the questions and have him at least honest, honestly answer the questions that I would have because well, I they, can would, tell they, you would, this. they would uh, open if up OJ, a lot of eyes. If OJ's yeah. out there playing golf, the, I'm sure the last thing he wants to talk about is uh, the, the double murder situation from 30 years ago. So I wouldn't bring it up. So, because, th- so, then, but, yeah. so then if you're posing that, then absolutely not. I would not want to now, because what? I just want to be there and hang out with OJ? You just want to be there just to, yeah. just to, just to have small talk? I with O.J. Simpson, I just want to get like, him to sign a golf ball. That's all. I mean, I, well, yeah. that, that doesn't—you don't have to play a whole round of golf I'm to kidding, have that. I'm kidding. You um, can do that in five seconds. I would. Brian. I would. I. I think uh, there. I would <laughs> want to ask him a lot of questions. Uh, I would save that for the radio. I think if I'm playing golf, I'd probably stick to some other stuff. But, but anyway, I appreciate your honesty in that answer. Yeah. Uh, I ask you that question uh, for a, a specific reason, and I will share that reason with you off the air because our audience does not deserve to know. Anyway, um, let's let's talk about uh, a topic okay. that has certainly been. Uh, a big discussion, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this, Chris, over the course of the last week, week and a half, and that's abortion. And uh, Alex Boyle kind of alluded to that a little bit. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Uh, as this situation goes on with the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. now they're kind of backtracking a little bit, saying, well, it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, this is what's going to happen. We all saw we saw the document that Politico put out. And by the way, the people of Politico do an excellent job. I have them on this show all the time. So now I want to ask you this. It's now come to – in front of Brett Kavanaugh's house yesterday, there were there were people protesting. In front of Clarence Thomas's house, there were people protesting over the weekend. And Clarence Thomas, who, by the way, I think is a despicable human being uh, for a number of reasons, particularly his wife with the whole insurrection thing and his voting record on you know getting evidence put forward on the insurrection Clarence Thomas is a piece of garbage as far as I'm concerned and that has nothing to do with the color of his skin has nothing to do with with any of that not it just has to do with the fact that he he allows his wife to do what she did and then he votes a certain way because his wife was certainly a part of the January 6th insurrection at least with text messages to, to Mr. Meadows but Thomas put out a statement and said uh, you know, you cannot intimidate the Supreme Court. Well, clearly your wife intimidates you. It ruined your entire career, Mr. Thomas. That's what I would say to him. What do you make of the precedence that we are in right now where 70% of the country, Chris, as you know, believes that a woman should have the right to choose? And by the way, the nonsense that the right's putting out there about late-term abortion, the overwhelming majority of Democrats do not believe in late-term abortion. But yet they want to tell a woman what to do with her own body. So... I wanted to get your thoughts on these people who call themselves pro-life. They're not. They're the opposite of pro-life. They want to tell a woman what to do with her body. If a woman, God forbid, is raped, they're basically saying she should be forced to have that child. If a member of their family rapes them, they, in most states, they would be forced to have that child, like in Georgia. 
What do you make of this dangerous precedence that the Supreme Court, at least the righties on the Supreme Court, are going to put forth and now put it in the hands of states? I would imagine states with Republican governors are going to make abortion illegal. What do you make of this precedence moving forward? I find it to be despicable and dangerous. Well, Brian, as you can expect, I'm a Democrat. I'm somebody who is pro-choice, and I think a woman should have uh, the ability to control everything when it comes to her body, bodily autonomy and as far as making uh, decisions regarding this. And there is – obviously, there's a bunch of different avenues we can go down with this topic, and we, can, we could you know, do a show for 25, 30 hours on this. So I want, I, I want to kind of like narrow it down. There is the reality of what could absolutely happen, which is probably going to happen with respect to the Supreme Court, and then there's what I believe should happen, and there's, by the way, what I believe, and what you said, you use the number, and it's a correct number. 70% of the American public believe that Roe versus Wade should not be overturned. Mm -hmm. Okay, so going with that number right away, you already have the set fact that the majority of the American people do not want to take place what is about to take place in a matter of a few months. You talked about how there's a possibility it could not happen. You, you, you listen to a number of legal experts across the board. Many of them say, you know what, no, that's not what's going to happen. The Supreme Court, this is a decision that the Supreme Court made back in February, by the way, and it's not something that they expect is going to change. You brought up, obviously, the protests in front of Justice Kavanaugh's house, and th- that, that's, that's a whole kind of other issue because I – Quite as personally as someone who is is all for protests, all for peaceful public protests, and I think that they do have an impact in situations like this. I'm not in support of going to individual Supreme Court justices' homes and you know and and and, uh, and acting in this way. I don't I don't think that it does any good when it comes to going to their houses. It's not going to change Justice Kavanaugh's frame of mind or opinion with respect to abortion. It, you know, because people are going to his house and 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 acting in a disrespectful manner. So I'm not a supporter of that. Now you you watch you you go on social media and you watch a lot of media across the board, and you'll see right wingers and people that are conservatives bitching and moaning about it, saying, "Yeah, see, look, this is what happens when liberals get upset. They go to you know they're disrespectfully go to people's houses and do this stuff." So I'm not down for that, but I absolutely 100 percent believe this is destructive. From the standpoint of, and I'm talking about the Supreme Court justice, what, what they're doing in the Supreme Court do, with this decision, I think it's absolutely destructive. And it's one more indication, Brian, that the, and I t- we talk about this all the time, credibility. I think there is a severe lack of credibility when it comes to our institutions these days, when it comes to politics, when it comes to you know the House of Representatives, when it comes to the Senate, when it comes to the White House, when it comes to the Supreme Court, the, the judicial branch of our government, I think it's taken a severe hit because it looks like it's politicized now. It absolutely appears in a way where... And look, we, we know what the numbers are. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out the Supreme Court is a 6-3 conservative, leans 6-3 to the conservative right, okay, on the Supreme Court. So this shouldn't be a shocker to anybody, but it is shocking because it is a precedent. This word precedent's been brought up, right, for the last 10 days or so regarding this decision, Roe versus Wade. It's been in place for almost 50 years. And now you have Supreme Court justices, right, and Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett and Neil Gorsuch, 
who have been there on the bench for five seconds. They've been there for five minutes. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden now, we're going to be overturning a judgment from 50 years ago. And it's inflamed a debate across the country. And obviously, as you said, you use the number. Again, 70%, 7 out of 10 Americans think that this is not something that should be overturned. And it's going to be overturned. And therefore, Brian, I'll wrap it up with this. The perception is that the minority is ruling the majority in this country. When you have a Supreme Court that has, you know, that basically six to three conservatives to liberals or, you know, conservative religious. Right. And then there's a whole religious element to this, too, as well, which I'm not going to dive into. But there I mean, it, you have the perception that it's a minority of people that are making decisions for the majority of us Americans, and that's what this is all about with respect to Roe versus Wade. You know, a friend of mine made some very interesting points here. Uh, I hate to do this, but I'm going to do it in this situation, comparing Islamic militants to right-wing evangelical Christians. And I'm going to read a a little Mm -hmm. list here on the comparisons between the two. Do I think that right-wing Christians are terrorists? No. But I am going to say that their political viewpoints sometimes align. For example... Islamic militants strongly oppose gay rights. Right-wing Christians, as you know, anti-gay marriage, oppose gay rights. Uh, Islamic militants oppose to teaching evolution in schools. Right-wing Christians oppose to teaching evolution in schools. Uh, Islamic militants, they want a government based on their religion. That's exactly what right-wing Christians want to do. Am I wrong? They oppose a woman's right to to abortion. We know that right-wing Christians feel the exact same way on that one. Uh, Islamic militants don't believe in global climate change. change. Neither do right-wing Christians. They oppose to equal rights for women. So do right-wing Christians. I mean, it's clear based on policy. And they believe that their religion should be taught in school. Right-wing Christians believe that their religion should be taught in school. There are a lot of comparisons there, and it's so interesting to me because these right-wing radical idiots, right, they want to impose my body, my choice when it comes to vaccinations. No question. Fine. Yep. No problem. I don't think you should be forced to get a vaccine unless your employer tells you to. If you don't like that, then get another job. But it's my body, my choice when it comes to vaccinations. But when it comes to the abortion issue, you can throw that out the window. These people are some of the biggest despicable hypocrites in the world. They're against uh, universal health care. They're against maternity leave. They're against governmental programs, whether it be food stamps or welfare or any type of government assistance to help a struggling family. As soon as the body is born, they're against all programs to help that living baby. Howard Stern said it best, ladies and gentlemen. I don't always agree with Howard. I love Howard. Don't always agree with him. But he said, if the Supreme Court wants to rule like this way, why don't we let, and he's being facetious. It's funny, but it's kind of true. Every baby that the the mother does not want that baby, let that baby be born and let let the Supreme Court deal with it and raise that baby. All these people that are talking about pro-life, do you see them adopting 100 kids? Why don't we do that for every single person in this country? That is anti-abortion. At a minimum, you should if if you're if you believe that you should be at a minimum you should be forced to to, to raise a hundred kids, a hundred kids that don't want to be born uh, by by the mother for obvious circumstance and situation. Well, Brian, let me break it down more simply for you. Okay, I'll bounce this off you as well as Numchuck and Rick and PTL listeners out there. You go into a room, all right, and there's ten people in the room. Are you going to listen to two of the people that are in the room because they're religious zealots? And they have a belief that 
a topic like say, hey, abortion, okay, abortion is murder, and it's just and it's absolutely despicable, and there should be no option whatsoever. So the ten people in that room should be subject to the laws made by the two people that are in that room. That's the question I pose to you, Brian. Should that be the case? Well, no, of course not. Okay, I, so that's... But, I, but even if that is the case... And I'll, a story, but right even there, if, bang. But with that being the case, it's very simple, ladies and gentlemen. Those two out of ten people, I would never tell them and force them to get an abortion. Well, who Those, is, though? Uh, let me, Who's doing on. that, though? What I, that's not a thing. I didn't, I'm just that's trying, not real. I'm just trying to make a point. Hang on. I'm just saying, what? in general terms, what, the, I want people to do what they want with their own bodies. In this country, you have the right to have the child, to not get an abortion. We also have the right... To get, should have the right to have an abortion. It's a very personal decision. I don't believe in late-term abortion, as many majority of people in this country do not. Yeah. It is your personal decision. If you believe at the moment of conception that's a human being, I think you're nuts. You're entitled to your belief. Don't impose that stupid belief on me. I'm not going to tell a woman what to do with her own body, and I'm not going to tell a woman that she has to carry a child for eight or nine months, uh, carry a fetus in her womb when she doesn't want the child to begin with. I am not going to do that. A woman should have the right to choose. We all make mistakes in life. This is a very personal decision, and it's a very difficult decision. And make no mistake about it, some Republicans would like to lead you to believe that these women, it's just an easy decision. Just go into an abortion clinic and get an abortion. Here's what these stupid right-wing nutjobs don't understand. Maybe some of them do. I don't know. This is not going to stop abortion. What you are going to do is you're going to have many women that live in states that are not going to allow abortion, that are going to go to other states to get a procedure done. Or in worse situations, and I wish this wasn't going to be the case, but it is, in a worse situation, perform the abortion themselves, which is horrible. It's terrible. And there are going to be women that are going to lose their life because of it. But these Republicans don't seem to care about that because they go with their religious beliefs. And you know what? Keep your religion to yourself and make your own decisions, whatever God you want to believe in. But I'll tell you what, if there is a God out there, Jesus, whoever you believe in, I'm pretty sure that Jesus Christ would, would not want to impose your religious beliefs on other people. Treat people with respect. Let people do what they want with their own bodies. But these people, they have their own agenda. And they push their agenda on other people. That's what makes this country great, isn't it? Is that nobody should force you what to do. You know, you should be able to live your life the way you want to live it. Do what you want with your body. And listen, like I said, I'm not for late-term abortions unless there's a medical reason why that's taking place. I think that we could be reasonable and say within three or four months, not this five, six weeks thing that Governor Abhol, as I like to call him in Texas, put together. Mm -hmm. He's so stupid. He doesn't even understand that most women four or five weeks don't even know they're pregnant. He's so dumb. But these Republicans that want to share their belief and they want to preach to you, and I immediately cut them off and I say, guess what? That's your opinion. You're in the minority. The overwhelming majority of people in this country are not right-wing religious nutjobs like you. And they believe in a woman's right to choose. I'm not going to force any member of your family to, not get, to, to get an abortion. I would never do that to you. Have as many children as you like. But don't you look at a woman, God forbid, a woman that was sexually assaulted or the victim of incest, and push your religious beliefs on her and say, you're forced to have that child. Don't look at a 15-year-old girl who made a mistake, or 16, or 36, I don't care. How can you look at that woman? The condom broke, whatever the situation may be. Accidents happen. Yes, is there irresponsibility? 
Of course, there. But, but because you do something that is irresponsible, does that mean uh, other people should tell you what to do with your own body? You gonna tell a sixteen-year-old girl, a sophomore in high school, maybe she's brought up with one parent. They're poor. They don't have money, and she's struggling. The mother is working maybe two or three jobs just to put food on the table for her daughter or daughters. And a 15-year-old or 16-year-old is pregnant. And you right-wing evangelicals out there, you're going to look at that 16-year-old and that mother struggling. By the way, the same types of people that you vote against when it comes to universal health care or you know, uh, maternity leave or food stamps or welfare. I can name you so many governmental programs lowering the cost of pharmaceutical medication. These despicable Republicans out there today, despicable is what you are. I hate all of you. I hate all of you people that vote that way. Do I hate all Republicans? No. I hate all of you policymakers that make it more difficult for people to survive. I hate all of you. And you're going to look at that 16-year-old girl and that mother of that city. You're going to say, your daughter has to have that child. How dare you? You despicable human beings. You, you hypocritical, disgusting, evangelical right hypocrites. And by the way, some of you evangelicals and you ultra-religious nutjobs commit more sins than every, anybody else. It was you evangelicals when we were losing four or 5,000 people a day that had no problem with packing in two or 300 people into a church. No sense of social distancing or science or anything. You had no problem with that. Call yourself pro-life. You're anti-life is what you are. All of you. You're anti-life. You're selfish, anti-life, over-religious nutjobs who want to quote the Bible all the time when you commit more sins than anybody else. And I'm sick of all of you. I hate all of you. I really do. I hate them all, Chris. I'm sorry. I do. And let me jump in too, Brian, because there's also an angle to this and so many elements surrounding this whole situation where Republicans are just more up in arms regarding the leak of the decision with the Supreme Court as opposed to what actually could take place and what is going to be the reality of this from a political standpoint and from a lawmaker standpoint, right? Everybody up in arms on the right, whether you, you, your, your girl uh, Laura Ingram and all these you know talking heads on television Shame and radio. Yeah, I, I was being facetious. <laughs> but the point being is that they're all, all so upset because, you know, how could this happen in the Supreme Court where it gets leaked like this? Yet, at the same time, we're all realizing what could happen here, right? We have 20-plus states across the country that have trigger laws already in effect. So if Roe versus Wade is, in fact, overturned, you're going to have a number of states where abortion is going to be essentially outlawed, right? And you, ta- you, you kind of flippantly brought it up, talking about how, well, people are going to just have to go to other states. It's not necessarily that simple because, yes, there are people that have the means, right? They have the ability to travel to different states and actually get an abortion and come back and and it's all good. But there's also, it opens up Pandora's box from the perspective of legalities where there are states that are going to try to implement laws where if you're a citizen of that state, if you're a resident of this state, Mm -hmm. You can't. You, you cannot legally travel to another state and get an abortion. Right. They're gonna. There's gonna be ways to try to prosecute up to ten years individuals, in whether, yeah. it be, whether it be whether be whether be women that go and try to get abortions mm-hmm. in other states. So it creates a very problematic situation. Where and by the way, we're not even talking about how this is going to be taxing to the healthcare systems of these other states. Right. Say for example, 25 states in America outlaw abortion. Oh, what kind of taxing does that do on? 
you know, the healthcare systems of these neighboring states. Nevada, for example, right? Nevada has codified the law. So in Nevada, it's it's not going to it's it, abortion. I don't, in my personal humble opinion, is never going to be outlawed. Abortion is never going to be outlawed in Nevada. But it would make it, it's going to make it. And they've been using this term, which is kind of crass and insensitive, in my opinion, where they're saying, yeah, there's going to be vacation states when it comes to abortion, right? Where you can go get an abortion in other states. But there, there's absolutely, when you have states where politicians are, they're, they're, it's controlled by Republicans, right? Or, or evangelical Christians or, mm-hmm. you know, people on the right, where they're, they're going to absolutely try to piggyback this and try, it's yeah. not just going to well, be I'll about outlawing abortion I'll, in their state. They're going to try to keep their state citizens and residents from going to other states and this getting how, an abortion. This is how screwed up some of these yes. people are. You can commit a rape in this country, and in some states, it, when this passes, uh, if you get an illegal abortion in that state, you can face more time in prison than than raping somebody. That's how screwed up these people are. Let me tell you, this isn't about Roe versus Wade anymore. In my personal opinion, it's not Roe versus Wade anymore. To me, it's logical, normal Americans, right wing and left wing, Republicans and Democrats and independents. It's logical Americans versus right wing evangelical religious nut jobs who want to push their beliefs on you. That's what this is about now. It's not about Roe versus Wade. It's it's normal everyday Americans versus right wing nut jobs. That's what it is. And Brian, quickly, you t- we, look, you and I, we get into conversations all the time on social media. It's so frustrating trying to deal with some of these people who just make flat out statements like abortion is murder. I can't believe you even would even support abortion. And they, they take it to the they take it to the far yeah. extreme yeah. as far as what they think we believe. Yeah. You brought up late term abortion, right? Yeah. Obviously, most reasonable, rational human beings are not down with late-term abortion. You, you hear these religious zealots talking about babies getting their limbs ripped up and all this. How, would you, how can you even fathom that we would be down with that? We're not. And so there's so much disingenuous and bad faith arguments coming from the right, and particularly religious zealots. With, with respect to abortion, that it makes it so frustrating even just to talk to these people in any way, shape, or form. By, by the way, some of these people, Chris, that say, you know, I can't believe you would support abortion. Fake news is the same people, by the way, that are screaming. Yeah, fake news! It's, it's not supporting abortion. It's, it's supporting the women's right yeah, to choose. That's the way I, yeah, like, that's the way I, like, that's what like, I call it. Like, we want all these women to get abortions. No, it's not that we yeah. want to. We just want to give women the option to do so in their life, and I'm not going to tell a woman what to do with her body, you stupid idiots. You stupid morons. But, uh, you know, it's sad where we are right now. It, it really is. Uh, it's We're scary. turning back the clock, right, Brian? We're turning back the clock oh, to the 1960s yep. when it comes to this issue. And it's disheartening, to say the least, because we should be moving forward. It's 2022. It's interesting, A though. woman should not have traveled from McAllen, Texas, on the border of Mexico, oh. to Virginia to get an abortion and then drive back in 24 hours so she has to go to work. It's, that is ridiculous, beyond ridiculous. It's interesting, though, because a lot of these people that say, how can you support a woman's right to choose, right? How can you support a woman getting an abortion are the same people that support Marjorie Taylor Greene, Gymnasium Jordan, Matt Gates, Venmo Matt Gates, uh, Donald, Donald Trump. Trump. When, he, when he says that he wants to shoot uh, protesters, Don, they support him for yeah, that. Donald you know, Trump, yeah. some of the most despicable human beings on the planet that these idiots will support are the same people that attack people in this country for saying they agree with having the women the right to choose. These people are some of the biggest hypocrites in the world. Uh, again, voting record says it all. These are the same people that vote against all these government programs to actually help people. And the guy we had earlier, 
Alex Boyle said it best. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example, voting against, and so many Republicans, voting against a bill that would have helped our veterans get proper health care needed, uh, but yet they want to call themselves pro-life. Um, i tell you, I, you know, I, maybe I'll get in trouble for saying this, but I'll say it anyway. The people that I wish were aborted in this country are people like Marjorie Taylor Greene. I'm just going to go out and say it, ladies and gentlemen, because these people do nothing but harm society. These people do nothing but hurt us. These evangelical right-wing nut jobs. I would never, you can believe in the tooth fairy if you like. I don't care what your religion is, but you don't interfere with other people's lives because of what you believe in, right? What you believe in. That's the key word. It's you. Just because you want to believe in a green monster or the tooth fairy or whatever else you want to believe in as far as what your religion says doesn't mean that your religion is right, and it also doesn't mean that you have the right to spew your nonsense to other people and to put it into policy. Have you ever heard the separation between church and straight uh, – the separation between church and uh, and state. I think I said straight. Uh, I think uh, the separation between uh, between church and, and, and state is what I was trying to say. But is that what we're doing on the Supreme Court right now? Can you honestly tell me that Brett Kavanaugh and, and these other people, uh, Barrett, and, and all these other people on the Supreme Court that are on the right, are they separating their religious beliefs from law? Are they really doing that? Of course the answer is no. They're not well, they did during their confirmation hearings, Brian. They, lied. they were absolutely saying they how are they were bringing up the magic word, Brian. Yep. Precedent, precedent, precedent. When it came to yep. Roe versus Wade and, and abortion, lied. and now that they are there, solidified in yep. a lifetime term, they have gone right back to the way that yep. they actually believe from the religious standpoint. Yep. Three words, Brian, talking about people that are Republicans, especially Marjorie Taylor Greene. Those people, hypocrisy, projection, and of course. Uh, you know, not, lack of credibility. Well, they're liars. Those are three things. They're right liars. There. They lied to yeah. Congress. They lied under oath. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, there's audio and video of them lying. They lied about Roe no versus Wade. They yeah. promised that it would not be overturned. They lied. And uh, these are the people that are on the Supreme Court. I mean, it's it just it's so despicable to me. It's disgusting. Anyway, here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, she's known as the sports Nista. Her name is Cassandra Cusino. Uh, she is with LVSportsBiz.com. The reason why I wanted to have her on, she's a great guest. Uh, talk a little Las Vegas Aces with her, yeah. too. But she was actually at the Canelo fight over the weekend at T-Mobile. Uh, historic night. Canelo going down for only the second time in his career. I went to the other fight that he lost, which was against Floyd Mayweather. But, again, Canelo was a huge favorite. It was a big upset in the world of sports, not just boxing. So uh, Cassandra will be joining us next. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. He's Chris Wynn. I'm Brian Shapiro. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. <laughs> All right, welcome back. PTL on a Monday. So glad you could join us. We're streaming everywhere, by the way. Check me out. Pushing Limits LV on Twitter. Also on my Facebook page. By the way, I want to tell you about a very special uh, candidate that I met recently. She was on our show last week. uh, Eva Chase. She's running for lieutenant governor. uh, And, you know, she's a breath of fresh air. For a lot of different reasons, by the way, she supports Black Lives Matter, the LBGTQ community, and uh, voting rights. And uh, I would ask you, please, to follow her on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. She's on all the social media platforms and learn a bit more about her. She is a transgender woman, and she is a unique candidate, and I do support her, and I hope you'll at least uh, 
Check her out on social media and learn more about her. That's Eva Chase for Lieutenant Governor. Chris Wynn joining me in studio. We're going to get to the Las Vegas Aces a little more in depth. And, of course, this big up. there were big upsets uh, this weekend, not just in the boxing world with Canelo Alvarez. But, you know, I'm not a big horse racing fan. But it's not every day. You're not a huge pony guy, Brian? No, Kentucky Derby, right? It's not. It's, not, it's huge. It's, it's, not, a, it's the Super Bowl of horse racing. It's not every day in any race, let alone the world's biggest stage, the Kentucky Derby, where an 80-1 to 1 long shot wins. There was, was there anybody that even caught this, t- that had the ticket? I mean, I mean, you have Canelo's oh, trifecta. Oh, come on. You know the deal, Brian. There's people out there. There's probably a handful of people out there that said, you know what? This guy has no chance, but I'll throw it down. And I was on social media, actually. Bobby Flay, I'm sure a lot of people are aware of him, celebrity chef. He, they had some kind of thing going on at the Derby. He was there at the yep. Derby with, with his significant other. And he had, uh, uh, they had some kind of, uh, uh, they were passing a hat around. And I don't know exactly what the prize was or what, how much you'd get. But he drew the name out of there. And he captured this all on social media and on TikTok. He actually drew the name of the winner. And he was just laughing before the race, talking about how, yeah, I have no chance whatsoever. And, of course, uh, the improbable happens where that 80-1 to long shot ends up coming in. And it absolutely happened at the Kentucky Derby. And, of course, it is a big-time shock. But also, I don't know if you actually watched the race. Did you watch it, Brian? No, I didn't. So, apparently, the, lead, the, like, the favorite was right there with, with the, the actual person. And ended up, it was uh, kind of a nip-and-tuck kind of thing. And then, of course, the underdog ended up pulling out the victory. I did not have the 80-to-1 shot. I was just reading a story that Numchuck showed me where this uh, child uh, in Tennessee just randomly picked this horse to win an 80-to-1, I guess, made made his father a lot of money. But anyway, joining us right now on the line, talk a little Aces basketball. Of course, talk a little bit about the the big upset in the world of boxing over the weekend. She is known as the sports nista. Uh, She also uh, does a great job for LVSportsBiz.com. Alan Snell's on the show all the time. Uh, Cassandra Casino joining us right now. Cassandra, I appreciate you coming on. How are you? Hi, Cassandra. Hey. Hi. Cassandra, are you there? I think we lost you for a second. There you go. Hi, Cassandra. Hi. <laughs> can you hear me? I can. Thank you so much All for right. joining us. Uh, I want to get to the Las Vegas Aces, but before we do that, what was it like being in the arena and watching history over the weekend, watching Canelo Alvarez only go down and lose for the second time in his career? What was that like, that experience? Um, you know, it was a typical Canelo um, atmosphere. He, wherever he goes, his fans go, and so um, there were a lot of Mexican flags on the plaza, um, lots of uh, high fives, waiting to see their guy actually make history out there again for them. So um, traveled well. Good to see the fans back in, in Las Vegas for certain, and the arena was pretty full. There weren't any blacked out sections, and so I haven't gotten a confirmation. On the numbers yet, somewhere sixteen, seventeen thousand rate. Hmm. That that that's that's a pretty good turnout, certainly, no question about that. Were there people within the media? I mean, we had Showtime Sean Porter in studio here Thursday, and he said this was going to be a really good fight, and Canelo could certainly go down. Were you thinking that going into this fight, and were any of your friends in the media thought that the outcome could happen as it did? Um, I was in the minority in that I thought that Canelo was going to be in trouble in in this fight. I looked at it as um, I cover UFC as well, and it kind of felt like Israel Adesanya versus Jan Blahojevich. Um, Very talented fighters, um, but there are weight classes for a reason. Right, right. uh, You know, Canelo carries a lot of power, um, but 
you had a fighter who had a lot of natural power and probably rehydrated to somewhere real close to 200 pounds. Um, and it was going to be difficult for Canelo to carry that power up for him. So he was going to need to box. And I wasn't certain if, if Eddie Reynoso, who had a pretty bad May so far, yeah. um, late uh, April, May, um, I didn't know if the game plan was going to be able to reflect what they actually needed to do, and that was to outbox um, a naturally bigger man and to actually just be able to provide a lot of volume. When I looked at the numbers um, in terms of um, landed significant shots, it was Canelo landed something like 17% of his significant shots throughout the fight and was outlanded uh, in total by over 50%. Incredible. And so um, that was a tale of tape. It wasn't so much that size mattered. It was actually output. So, um, and it was how busy that fighter was. With that being said, and I agree with you, the stats speak for themselves. You, you can watch the fight, and I think you can see who clearly who won this fight. Let's talk about the judges' scorecards. All three judges had the scorecards, I think, as this fight a lot closer than it actually was. They gave Canelo the first four rounds. I watched that fight. I watched the. I, I taped it. I watched it. It didn't look like Canelo won the first four rounds at all. How do you explain at all these three judges' scorecards? I think it's it's really a black eye for boxing when we have incompetence that that that, that are doing the scorecards. I mean, as boxing, as as the fight was going on, I kept saying that Canelo was behind, and I said that from the second round. But I don't trust these judges, <laughs> um, even though it was a very experienced judging row actually on assigned to that card i still don't ever trust them and it, it is actually deplorable to say that canelo won those first four rounds it was very clear even from the press box which is like almost in summerland <laughs> by the time you make it up to there it's up there um, yeah. it's not that close yeah uh, he did not win those first four rounds and i think that those judges really wanted canelo to win those first four rounds but that's not what had happened so, Cassandra, thinking about it, obviously, when these circumstances present themselves in boxing, what do we do? We look ahead, right? And the rematch, of course, is something that's highly anticipated. Want to get your thoughts on what the appetite is going to be if to get both these guys back into the squared circle sooner than later and see an actual rematch? Yeah, I'm going to be publishing something tomorrow, and I don't know who needs to hear this, but Canelo Alvarez is still the number one star in all of boxing. Mm -hmm. The appetite for this rematch or whatever Canelo does next is going to be huge. DAZN has paid him somewhere close to $50 million by the time they get the pay-per-view numbers back. I think his split is like 70% of uh, pay-per-view. Bivol gets like, I don't know, is it 20%, 25%? Um, of it so uh, the appetite is going to be huge and um, and it's not so much to see if he can win that fight it's to see if what we saw was real did Bivol really win uh, that fight Um, there's no there's no other boxer on the planet who comes close to Canelo's numbers I mean name one Tyson Fury not really yeah. Uh, you know, definitely not Deontay Wilder. We have to look to the heavyweights to see. Even Errol Spence, who's probably number two on the pound for, per, pound, for pound uh, list, 
not even close to in Canelo's stratosphere. So the numbers are still going to be high. I actually think they're going to be higher. Yeah, um, I agree. It'll still be another disowned fight. It'll still be on paper. I think this is a positive for the sport, not, not a negative, because now yeah. we're going to have a highly anticipated uh, rematch. And you're absolutely right, Cassandra. I mean, uh, Canelo Alvarez is the biggest draw in the sport of boxing. There's the, 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 Hands down. It's not even close, in my personal opinion. So you know a rematch, and we hope it's in Las Vegas. Certainly we hope it is. We hope that's in the contract, and we hope that uh, we're going to get a rematch in Las Vegas, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Again, if you're just joining us, Cassandra Casino, who is with LV Sports Biz, uh, does a great job there. We have Alan Snell on the show all the time as well. All right, let's move on to WNBA. Me and Chris uh, talked a little bit about it in the first segment. I thought that was a really fun atmosphere last night. The Aces, of course, getting it done against the Seattle Storm. New coach, a lot of the same players, but some nice new additions as well. And boy, uh, I tell you, it looks like this is a very well-machined basketball team. Uh, kind of the WNBA version, uh, how I compare it uh, to the Golden State Warriors. They run, yeah. the tempo's fast, a lot of great shooters. Uh, they score a lot of points, but they're also very good defensively. What did you make of this game? You can tell very quickly why Liz Cambage did not fit into this current um, iteration of this team. Mm-hmm. Um, they play with tempo. They are shooting from the outside. Um There will be, as the season plays out and we see some of um, the more physical teams, um, we will see how size plays into this mix. They are undersized. You got Asia playing the five um, for most of the game. Kia Stokes is still on her international contract, so when she comes out, she'll provide some relief there in the middle. But it is fun. And did you notice it felt like a more professional WNBA atmosphere? It was like it's year five. You know, they've kind of, it it is a well-oiled machine from a PR standpoint, from Mm -hmm. marketing. They've got a president who's very engaged, who has a real basketball and marketing pedigree as Mm -hmm. well. Those are the things that I picked up on. It's like, it feels like this team is ready for a championship. Uh, These women have played together quite a bit. Uh, over the years, but man, the, the crowd, I think, really responded to that tempo. Yeah, and I, I agree with you from the standpoint of professional. Uh, again, I hate to knock on Liz Cambage, but I have a lot over the course of the last couple of years. I just feel like a lot of the things she did on and off the court were unprofessional. I think she was a cancer, at least to this team, and I'm glad she's not here anymore. I, I, I love this team. Uh, the players, they play with each, uh, you know, for each other. They, they, they share the ball very well. I think Becky Hammond is the perfect coach for this job. They're very comfortable with this system. I also said, and I don't know if you know this is Cassandra, but the conditioning of this team, they, uh, those Seattle players, they were out of gas the last six seven minutes of the fourth quarter I don't think they were used to playing against a team with this tempo and I look at the Aces players they could have played another 20 minutes the starters they looked like they were fresh I think that's Didn't a testament to say them. that Sue Bird asked for a sub yes she did as, as well as the other starters did and you know what uh you know this coach Becky Hammond talks a lot about conditioning if we're going to play this style these girls they got to be they got to be in the right condition and they are and they have embraced this style and uh, i'm really excited i'm excited for this season I, I agree with you i think this is going to be the first professional franchise that's going to have a parade on the strip i i, I think they're going to yeah. they're going to win the championship and, and you know listen yeah. it's not going to be easy but i think all the pieces are in place and how great was it cassandra to, to see governor sisolak there with his lovely wife uh obviously mark davis the owner of the team he's always going to be there he's great uh you see Ray players in the stands from you know uh, Darren Waller was there you see current and former NBA players Teron Liu was sitting courtside you know it's like only in Vegas right I know in other uh 
NBA towns. You'll see NBA players there at games. But we have just everybody, all sorts of different people, from politicians to professional athletes to coaches. I just think it's a, it's just a really cool atmosphere. It's feeling like a grown-up sports town. And, and think about the irony of this, that this team under Becky Hammond, and to use her words, she said two things last night that stood out to me, was that, A, um, they have each other's backs. Mm-hmm. is that they're out there playing for each other. And the other word that stood out for me was scrappy. The fact that they played under the previous coach, and it's it's really interesting to me how um, kind of Ace's brass is kind of pretending like Bill Lambert was never here. He just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with that type of coach, um, you would think they'd be more physical. But it seems like under Becky Hammond, this is a much more physical and scrappy team and that's really what they need to get over the hump in the playoffs they've got all the talent they've got experience now now they've got to have this they need to have the heart and they got to have the physicality get in there and scrap against the phoenix of uh, phoenixes of the world against you know the seattles of the world they gotta have that extra gear when they're in there just ready to fight chicago too Cassandra, obviously they have the consummate leader and one of the ambassadors of the women's game in Asia Wilson as the leader of this team, right? You've got Derek Ahambi, who's very, uh, who's a big-time contributor. But uh, your thoughts on what Jackie Young was able to bring to the table yesterday? I mean, this is someone who absolutely – look, when you're trying to win a WNBA championship, you're not going to be able to do it with one player or maybe just two. You're going to need to have other, guy, other people step up and be kind of uh, the supporting cast and maybe better than the supporting cast. And Jackie Young last night absolutely – exemplify that I think for the aces she's all grown up yes exactly (laughs) we're seeing her mature as a basketball player and the fact that she's been able to play alongside Asia Wilson for all of her professional career um, has benefited her substantially she's seeing how to behave like a professional on the court how to go about your conditioning and when you saw her in the second leap um, fourth quarter, taking it to Super. You're talking about a legend mm-hmm. in this game. And Jackie is playing fearless without the ball, and she's playing fearless on the ball. And they will absolutely need that. Um, Kelsey Plum, of course. Kelsey Plum is just a baller. You know, she's got a rock in her hand. It doesn't matter if it's in the street or on the court or in the grocery store. She is going to hoop. What you need is Jackie Young to understand that she can do that, too. And we're starting to see very early. First home game, sure. Um, but definitely, you're seeing some things that they can build upon. Yeah, a lot of improvements too. I mean, you look at Kelsey Plum from year one. I'll say this about Asia Wilson too. To now, I mean, yeah. Plum and, and what she just playing in the Olympics and winning a gold medal. Uh, her maturity, not turning the ball over. Asia Wilson, yeah. she talked about defensively how she's just completely different now. Her thought process. She said in the press conference yesterday, she's now a student of the game. Whereas when she was a rookie in the WNBA, she just wanted to play and make money. Uh, I thought it was so grown up ish, if that's even a. Yeah. Word of her to admit that to admit that in the press conference yesterday I thought that was so cool and these girls have fun you know they're having fun yeah. out there I hate to compare it to the Vegas Golden Knights who are not playing hockey right now those guys weren't having fun most of the season uh and, and these girls out there on the basketball floor everybody's having fun the fans are having fun uh just the organization's great and uh I, I love Becky well, Hammond bad comparison Brian bad comparison <laughs> right they they went through like you know some trauma as a team last season. That that yeah. final loss for them really stung. Sure. And I think they had to kind of get some perspective, get away from the game, 
fall in love with it again and mm-hmm. really want something. They're playing yep. for something now. And it's not just a kind of like assuage the loss, yep. but, um, you know, they're, they're playing for each other. Um, at the end of the game, and uh, we wrote about this at LVSportsBiz.com, Asia Wilson paid for 100 young people to come to that game last night. And she was there after everybody left, addressing right. them and answering all their questions and motivating them um, as well. Those are the things that you mm-hmm. don't see. And You're they right. didn't publicize that. We just happened to see her talking. And I'll tell you and something else. And I'll tell you something else about Asia. And I agree with you. She's fantastic. I remember her father had to help her off the court as she was crying after they lost that last game at home. Remember that moment I said last year. Yeah. I said, because I believe she is going to come back this year better than ever. And she yeah. is going to be the MVP of the WNBA Finals. I truly believe that is what's going to happen. I could be wrong, but I remember moments like that. And uh, you I want think that as a prop bet. <laughs> yeah, it should yeah, be. Right? It should be because I'm a degenerate gambler and I'll definitely take it. But hey, Cassandra, I always appreciate it when you come on. You're the best. You do a great job uh, at LV Sports Biz, uh, the sports needs to joining us. Cassandra, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Cassandra. Appreciate y'all. Take care. Thank you. Cassandra Casino joining us again, LVSportsBiz.com. She does a fantastic job uh, known as the Sports Nista. She knows her stuff, man. She really does. Uh, Chris, it's been a fun uh, Monday. As yes, it always. has. Uh, I, don't know if, I don't know if I'll have any OJ stories to share, but me and Seawin, uh, there's a rumor going around that tonight we might be bl- playing bingo at a local casino establishment. There, that's a rumor. So Get the daubers out, baby. Yeah, yeah, we're I, not. We're, we're going to go old school, Shap. I'm going to go one time. I'm going to get you... To, to, to go marker style. We're not going to go, that's you know, my new ADD. wave, new wave machines or computers, bro. We're going to do it. We're going to do it old school style. With my ADD, I don't know if I'm capable of doing that, Chris, but yeah. maybe if you buy my cards for me, maybe I'll I'll give it a try. But uh, anyway, we'll see. Well, we'll go for those four corners and I'll certainly give you an update on our bingo uh, extravaganza uh, tonight. Uh, Justin, you're invited as well if you'd like to go. Uh, but uh, wow, Justin just flipped me off. That was so mean. That was, that was so not cool. You know, I try to be, you try to be be a nice guy, Chris, you know, and it just blows in your face. You know, what can you say? Are you a poker amateur in a heads up match against Phil Hellmuth? What's that? <laughs> yeah, about? I don't know. I don't know yeah. what that's. I don't know what was going on there. I don't know. Anyway, we'll have a fun show uh, tomorrow as well. Looking forward to it. Same time, same place. Shappy's feeling a little better. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting my groove back. Stella, as Stella would say. Uh, but uh, tomorrow, of course, uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. Pushing Limits LV. C Win. What's your Twitter? I don't even remember. At the Christian name. Win on Twitter and at C Win 77 on Instagram. It, why is it not I'm at all Chris over TikTok Wynn? and uh, Facebook as well, too? Because my name's Christian. Oh, okay. I know, yeah, but it's that'd Chris. be my full name. All right. Well, I don't call you Christian. It's just weird. Well, no, you don't have to. I don't know. You're not very Christian. You all can right, call anyway. me both. Doesn't all right. Matter. We got we to go. Numbshuck's going to kill me. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.